I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional or even remotely mature, but we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. Yeah, and you that dropping can, your voice. That could be, that could be our <laughs> first so intro. <laughs> so without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. <laughs> So, a while back, we had folks who are members of Team Shiny, our mailing list, send in their questions and join us for a live Q&A. Here is the second part of that conversation. It maybe would help to have listened to the first part, too. We would love for you to join us for future Q&As and other events. So, sign up to join Team Shiny on our website, somethingshinypodcast.com. Uh, we got one more question, and then we'll open it up to our collective amazing mm -hmm. um, attendees tonight. Okay, so last yeah. question. So tell me more about ADHD folks tending to overexplain. Why do we do this? And in what context is it more likely? I, I love this. Whoever asked this, I just want to say to you, you have just pointed, <laughs> you just <laughs> pointed out something to me um, about yeah, I'm 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 over explaining as I'm doing this. David, help. Okay. Uh so I was really thinking about this and I think it comes down to the intersection between mastery and guilt. And I think hmm. when you have a lot of mastery around a topic, it can be really hard to structure a response. So the way you start responding, you can realize the holes in what you need, so you go back and try to respond more and try to fill in more and try to fill in more and you have so much mastery on the topic, you can put in a lot of information. I think the other piece of it is around guilt. I think some people can really try to over-explain when they're uh, trying to make their behavior understood, when they're trying to excuse themselves or talk about why they didn't do something. There's often a lot of reasons behind that. And then lastly, I just, and then we can go back to all of them. This is literally what structure looks like. So over-explaining is it's a structural issue. It's around thinking about the beginning and middle and end of what you're going to say. And sometimes, often with ADHD, we got a really concrete beginning and like a pretty good middle. And then it's just supposed to magically end, right? <laughs> and, and it hasn't ended yet. And people are still looking at me. And why haven't they ended? But I should still, I'm still talking. And then here we are, right? Like, do you, so do you think that a piece of it is like, I feel like I have, and I don't know if it's like, like my own ex lived experience, but I think I get used to the look on people's faces when I've talked too much being my cue for like, I got to stop, you know, but first I'm going to make a funny comment about how I talk too much and then I'm going to stop. Is that part of what you're talking about? That's exactly it. Like okay. you didn't necessarily have an ending, right? But then all of a sudden the ending has been... Like when people start looking away or checking their watches, because that's usually my cue. When someone checks their phone or starts like looking around the room, I go, oh, I gotta go hit the dusty old trail because 
<laughs> I just assume I've been talking for too long immediately. Oh my gosh. And does this, is this the overexplanation? I mean, I'm thinking this comes out in like really big, obvious ways. I know in my own life where it's like, I don't know where the end is. Where is the end? It's just, ah. Or the guilt, certainly. Oh my gosh, you don't get it. This is how deeply I didn't mean to be Bumbly Steve with the pain right. panel, you know. Who is Bumbling Steve? So, in the first part of this Q&A, David described a study that showed that people experienced pain more intensely if they thought someone was shocking them on purpose versus shocking them accidentally. He named the random person doing the shocking Steve, and he's either bumbling Steve or not intentionally hurting anyone, but oops, hitting a button that shocks them, or intentional Steve who knows he's shocking you on purpose and does it anyway. No offense to anyone named Steve out there, randomly chosen name. Uh, check out our show notes for more information on this study. Now back to what we were saying. Or you ask me a question on ADHD and I'll talk for 30 minutes. Yeah, but I right? mean, we, that's why we have a podcast. I mean, it's right. kind of But I mean, like, it's the exact <laughs> issue, right? But it's around mastery and we've created a format where we're allowed to talk for long periods of time and we don't have to pay attention to social but, I, you know, the thing I was going to ask really quickly is, like, it does also, I think, come out in really subtle ways. Like what you're saying, like, over time, maybe it also involves that setup. I wonder if a big piece of it is this is how, this is the closest we can sometimes get to approximating what it's like to be in our own head to mm. someone who doesn't think it that. I mean, I don't know how else to name it, except sometimes it's, this is as close as I can get to showing you my speed inside. I thought of 10 different things. I have five different tangents. And I, I'm trying to be vulnerable and honest and unmask, you know, all the stuff that makes me put on that I'm so neurotypical and can like sit on my hands, literally like sit on my hands so I don't say something. But there's a moment where I... I I'm also like trying to like almost like get someone into the party. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I, I wonder if it also comes out in like subtle ways to maybe try to find connection. I don't know. Oh, that's a really, that's a. I definitely do. I noticed that like in awkward situations, I will be the one who's like, I'm going to talk a lot and kind of fill the air with my fun jibber jabber. And oh my God, do I have a yes. fun fact for you? Do you know that seahorses have sun salutations they do in their mating dances and they do it at sunrise? I'm not even joking. I mean, I uh, say things like that and I can back it up most of the time. But There's something else with that though. That's something else. And I want to make sure I honor something else. And I'm, I'm maybe putting you on the spot, but maybe not. I think you're all, we're also talking about like the tolerance we have for nothingness. And that's a very different thing. Now, if a teacher asks a question in the room, they're like, how many of you read that chapter from last week? And then like, there's, there's the expectation around hands being raised, right? So that's different. But if they go, I'm very curious, what are your thoughts on Wilford Beyond's groups in psychodynamic theory, Right. And then my brain immediately goes to, yeah, I wonder what people are going to say. And then I look around the room and then my brain goes, it's been four freaking seconds. No one's spoken. And I'm like, oh God, I don't want this teacher to feel like the questions suck. Uh, it's been eight seconds. Oh, my <laughs> hand will go up. Like, and, yes. and, and I don't have a tolerance for like that quiet room. I, I'll be like, I don't know anything about beyond, but tell me about this group dynamic stuff. Like, like, like I, I, that's a moment where like we could say that's mansplaining, right? That's me just sucking up air with my time. Like, why am I doing that? And it's also like, my, I don't have tolerance. I feel bad for this teacher. What's happening next? And then usually after I say something, someone else will go. 
And that's what I've learned in life. So yeah. Like, like, I can get I can get a ball rolling. I can, with my awkwardness, I have learned I can bring other people together. Right. Not only right? to me, but to others. Like, it's like you can join around this awkwardness I've helped generate. We're natural pickle, pickle jar looseners. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, yeah, well said. I think when, when I think about this, it, outside of ADHD, when I think of, like, over-explaining, I think what comes up for me, I think about gaslighting is that someone's been like gaslit their entire life. So they have to over-explain and over-explain. And when I think of ADHD, I think we're often kind of maybe self, self-incriminating. self I don't know if that's the word, but like to make to think we're crazy. And so that we we might have, like, even when I was thinking about what I want to say right now, I was like, is this going to be the right thing to say? I don't know if this is the right thing to say. Are people going to think I'm weird? I don't know what to say. And I'm just going to say it because I don't want to just sit on this. And I and side note, everyone was nodding as you were talking. Just yeah, like, like, like we were all like, yes, nod. yes. Like if I had a lighter, I would light it right now. It, it, I mean, it goes, it goes right into like that intention piece. And like, you're saying the word gaslighting. And I want to make sure that I kind of anchor that in something. When, when the things that I have done that I've been in trouble for have looked intentional and people have been really hurt by that. One thing that is also true for people with ADHDs they can be much more connected to mirror neurons. They can be much more connected to other people's emotional state. I can really feel it when I hurt somebody else. I don't like it. It hurts, right? And so if, if I can make a mistake that I've watched 15 other people yell at me for it being intentional, it would make a whole lot of sense if I want to be like, this wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. I was at the paint store. And then like 30 minutes later, I met something else, right? Like that's different. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for for offering that. We want to open it up to you. I know two of you, I think, have already like done that little hand raising, awesome thing that I love that happens on Zoom. Where it's like, I have an idea, I have a question. So uh, this is this feels normal because I would usually call Dave and talk to him about ADHD things. But I, I had a curious a curious question because it's came up a bunch with uh, with some clients today. Is that um, what do you what do you think about when? people develop a lot of structure to get something done and it works for like a week and then they develop more structure to get it done. And then it works for a week and they have to keep developing structure over and over and over again. And it never works. So many thoughts right now. Do you want me to just jump on this? Cause I, I, I don't want to do that. I, want, yeah. I really want to hear what you have to say. Okay. I'll just jump in now. Okay. So I think like one of the things that like comes to my mind is there's usually an overcorrection that happens when people try to create structure. When looking at a day, they'll like an ADHD response to structure will be like, Oh, I feel so bad that I missed that assignment. I'll never miss any other assignment again. Every day in class, when I get there for the first three minutes, I'm going to do this for the next two minutes. I'm going to do that. And like all of a sudden there's like a structure for every minute in that whole class for that person. And they do it that first day and they're like, nailed it, felt good. It was so good. It was, but like, it's not sustainable. The other piece of it that you're talking about is how novel plans can be attended to, but when something becomes habituated to it, it's no longer novel and it's not as stimulating, right? So creating a new plan. Can I stop? Rewind the tape just for a second. I'm with you, but I need you to like, help me. What do you say what novel plans are stimulating? That's like the newness okay. of it gives me my dopamine. Yes. So even if it's something I hate and I don't actually want to do, like 
the first two minutes of class do the thing, the next three minutes. So even if I hate it and I don't like it, I'm getting dopamine just because it's new. Ish, ish, ish. I think like okay. Like let's let's say let's say you hate class, right? But you really like wearing a Power Rangers suit. Like I might be able to get you to go to class wearing a Power Ranger suit because like you know it's like a little risky and maybe people will roll their eyes and some people will laugh at me. Like that's pretty cool. It's a new thing. Not everyone wears the suit, but the fifth day, I'm maybe not going to want to wear it because people are making fun of me for wearing the suit. It's lost its novelty. It's no longer so new and so fresh. Let's go with a real, like a, a more real world example. If somebody uses the Pomodoro method and like for a week, it works. The Pomodoro method you're talking about with the seven minute timers? Yeah. Yeah. So like they worked for a week and then it stops working. I'd want to back that question up a little bit. It's like, so for this, for that question, and like, this is where I don't want to get too into like one specific like client because it's, and I want to get specific. No, 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 this is- Wait, wait, no, 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 no. And I do want to get kind of specific. So it's like the task that you're doing, like not all interventions work well for tasks. So like when people start and then take breaks and then start and take breaks, it's like, that's really great for like something if you're like working with molten lava and you need a break. Right. But if you have to spend like think about an ADHD brain as like a jet engine, it's not disabled. It's disabled if you want the jet engine to like go in the slow lane in the swimming pool. It doesn't do that. Like that's not what it's built for. Right. So so oh, imagine this. That's, that's you have a jet engine. Mm-hmm. You got this giant jet engine and it takes like a couple seconds for a jet engine to power on totally like, like you got this whole jet roaring noise happen. And you like finally get it to full speed. It's at maximum thrust. You're like, and then the Pomodoro method shuts it down and go take a break. <laughs> right, right. And then, and then in seven minutes, you can turn that giant fire back on. And like, it's like, I think, I think all the methods that, that people have, there isn't like the rule book isn't, there isn't one that right. works best, right? But it's like, does that person struggle with knowing when to take breaks or having, or starting? Like that question would dictate what would be a better intervention, right? right? Like, uh, set a set a like seven minute timer. You have to start before that goes off. Mm-hmm. If it's a starting intervention, and if it's not a starting intervention, it's like, do you need to know what are the cues? You know that you know you need to take a break. It's like I don't have cues. I don't notice I'm hungry. I don't notice anything. It's like, oh, the bathroom. So if you go to the bathroom, you notice it's been over an hour. Take a five minute break, mm-hmm. right? So that like I don't know. Pomodoro is great in in a lot of like neuro neurotypical situations and ADHD situations if it works for you but I think like the rule on you like people people have misunderstood breaks so much with ADHD the the breaks with ADHD that that I think are hard is people will believe that they need to take more breaks and that's not true (laughs) people need less breaks they need to stay in rhythm longer and take breaks when they're actually effective and like take a break when you get home from school. It's like, well, I don't know. I just, my medicine's never going to work this good. Maybe I need to snack. I need to punch a wall for 10 minutes, but then like, let me get right back to work. Like, don't let me get into play and turn off my jet engines and then fire them completely back on again. Like now you're making a play go. Right. It's like the intervention at school, which is like, uh, um, you know, you get extra time when we actually need less time. I got extra time on, on every one of my tests, on every single one of my tests. I used it never, not once. I never once had to stay one minute longer than any test I ever took. I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I'm pausing. We, we are coming up on time, but we are going to, we have one more question we definitely have to get to, if that's okay, David. Is everyone, mm-hmm, if you need mm-hmm. to head out, we totally understand. Um, I'm going to sneeze. 
to sneeze again. I'm not going to take that threat. You're not going to sneeze. Bless you. You're right. Boom. There you go. But thank you. <laughs> David, did you just steal my sneeze? Mm. <laughs> um, but <laughs> just for those listening, David made an awesome, like, almost like a superhero kind of like. I punched my hand. Punched his <laughs> hand and the power yeah. of him stealing my sneeze with the power of suggestion. Um, no, but the setup, okay, that you get a major accommodation is more time on tests. That's the last accommodation folks with ADHD need. We need, we don't need more time. Mm-mm. Okay, this is kind of, my my mind is like a little bit so blown I by what you were time, just but... both talking about that I like almost don't know what I'm trying to say. But I do know that there's something about when you were talking about asking better questions to figure out like what you're trying to get out of it. For somebody listening who maybe doesn't have a therapist, such as your lovely selves, who is like able to do this, imagine that they're sitting down and they have now tried Pomodoro and then they're like realizing as they're listening, this is not helping. What can you like slow down those questions a little bit? Like what are what are some questions someone could ask themselves that mm-hmm. would kind of help lead them down the path? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, some questions that I would start with is what is the task? Did you accomplish the task? Did it hurt? Oh my gosh, I love this. Yeah. Right. And and then if what's the task? If the task is writing this paragraph, okay. Did you write the paragraph? No, I I did it for three minutes and then I, you know, went, went outside to play with Power Rangers. All right. Did it hurt? No, I didn't really spend enough time on task. Okay, cool. We got data. Okay. So maybe it was hurting to write. We got to try writing differently. Okay. Would it help to write with another person in the room so you don't get distracted by a squirrel? Body doubling. Yeah. Body doubling, right? And then body doubling works because another person creates the illusion of structure. What is body doubling? In reference to films, this term is used to describe um, a stand-in for lead actors in certain shots or a body double. In the world of neurodiversity, it's about someone being in the same room or within view of you while you're doing a task. So um, that other person could be doing the same task as you. Let's say you're both like cleaning up the room um, or they could just be quietly sitting there reading or maybe they're giving you cues or reminders, but they're just there with you. And them being there with you is what creates the structure. This is important. Okay. We have an amazing hand raise on the zoom this is so exciting please please ask your question really excited i've been i've been sitting here patiently hang on a second let me lower my hand now oh, whoa i mean whoa. there's a little technology's amazing extraordinary zoom um so I've, I've been taking copious notes here uh and and i'm going to quote something that dave said do you need more gas or do you need more brakes and it was really really kind of interesting right i think think of adhd as a jet engine right all of this kind of swirling in my head so I haven't been on a trip on an airplane since March of 2020, right? And I haven't done like a, like a full-blown presentation in front of human beings um, probably in the course of like two years. And in the past month, I've like literally been asked to run a full-on marathon. Right? And I haven't been sitting on the couch, just feet up, relaxing, doing Zoom calls, presentations to lots of people in my pajamas. Easy. Now I'm, I'm running an actual marathon, uh, not a virtual one. So my question is about batteries. Uh, and how batteries and recharging for someone with ADHD 
um, which I don't know if I have or not. I'm an officially diagnosed. So people keep telling me I do, but I totally, I don't know, maybe. Um, and uh, how does a person like, like, like me, uh, who this, this is hard suddenly, right? This is a little feeling a little bit different where I'm trying to be the same person I was maybe a couple of years ago. Um, suddenly it's a little bit more challenging. So, so the concept of batteries, how does someone like me potentially, or someone with ADHD yeah. recharge or, or look at their batteries or, you know, even the, the term burning the candle at both ends doesn't, doesn't feel like it applies, uh, versus maybe somebody who's neurotypical. Yeah. I love that question. I'm slow clapping for that question. I can't tell you how much I need it. Just just on own. I needed to hear. I need to hear the answer to this literally in this specific moment. Please, David. Okay. So there's there's two truths. Like what is effective in terms of recharging batteries? And typically we look at healthy routines. Like that's really great. That's what people are going to talk about. But let's make it a little bit more real for somebody with ADHD. I think of like the inception test, you know, like the inception when they have to like spin that little thing. And if it doesn't stop spinning, like they know they're in a dream or whatever. Inception is a 2010 sci-fi thriller directed by Christopher Nolan. That is all about people who sneak into people's dreams to steal information. And then they realize that there are dreams within dreams. It gets really meta. Side note, it also introduced the iconic trombone sound you see in trailers and films like all the time right now which side note was apparently based on a sampling of one note of an edith piaf song uh yeah check out the show notes for more on that thread and uh thank you to the person who created the score han zimmer all right back to what we were saying so there are always going to be canaries in the coal mine things for me that i notice change when i'm tired The reason why I say when I'm tired is I don't notice fatigue in a typical way. And so when you're asking the questions, like, how do I know when to recharge my batteries or all that kind of stuff? Like, how do you know when your batteries are draining? Like, it's like, it's like you're missing the little bar at the top. That's like battery. I get the warning when I got like, like 5% and I never get to 5%. But when I do, I'm like, what's happening? I think I'm sick. And then I just sleep and I'm like, I'm better now. Like, I don't understand it when it gets to 5%. And so like, Part of what I look for are like different like fatigue cues for me that are indicators on my battery. Do I feel like cooking? If I don't feel like cooking, I typically haven't taken care of my battery. Am I noticing that, like, did I have lunch? If I didn't have lunch, I'm not always taking care of my battery. Like, do my, this is gonna sound really weird, do my shoes feel heavy? If my shoes feel heavy, I might need to, I might need to, and I might need to take care of myself and like recharge my batteries. but. Like what you're, what you're seeing me doing right now is I'm connecting physical things to the canary in the coal mine. It's what are the symptoms that you notice first that, that when you're tired, like when I'm tired, I will watch dumb shows. When I'm tired, I gravitate, you know, like whatever those weird little things you find yourself doing when you're tired, you'll notice those behaviors before you notice your fatigue. And so like the first thing you think about is like, what are those totems? What are those canaries? What are those warning signs that your battery's going down? And then how do you recharge your battery? And this goes into a really complicated place. The recharging of one's battery, like this could be a whole episode. And I love this question for that Yeah, reason. we will side note, talk about this a lot more. The yeah. recharging of one's battery is one of the most judged and stereotyped things I've ever seen. If I watch one more person with ADHD talk about wanting candles and getting into a bathtub, like it's not going to make you feel better, most likely. Like, like that's, that's not relaxation. Like people often, especially if they grow up with learning, learning differences or ADHD, they'll believe that it's, it's recharging their batteries if it's boring. 
Oh, you just you just hit me in a very specific yeah, yeah. Boom. Like, I've it, learned it, that boredom equals rest. Yeah, that's interesting, right? And like maybe we need to redefine that for us in a way that like matches what we do. Like for me, if I was gonna go rest, like I would think a really good restful day would be like a day where I got to play some frisbee, go on a walk, and like grill some food and not have a bedtime. And then the next day, not have a wake up time. That's how I would rest. And if I if I like can't dream, do that, right, right. All of a sudden we're saying these things that we're not supposed to want and that we're supposed to judge and that we're not supposed to do and that grownups don't need to do. Or maybe, maybe you shouldn't play video games anymore because you're a grown up. Or maybe you shouldn't wear pants that have lit like LED lights in the bottoms or whatever people tell you. Don't, don't, don't stop living the dream. But I think like. Side note, David, if anyone has ever said that to you, please wear those pants with LED lights in the bottom. Oh, I had a please. crush. I had a crushed like velvet purple like button down shirt that like someone made fun of me mercilessly for. And I think like I don't have any more for that reason. But no, 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 it's okay. It needed to go. But I think like to to just center center right back onto like Bill's question, the quest is finding out what recharges your battery. There's that is gonna be more of a real quest than the behavioral cues of your battery light lights going down. Like that might be a lot easier for you to notice once you have some cues for it. Once you realize like the certain like interests, like the things that you do yourself, you'll, you'll notice them. You don't have to share them right now. Right. But like how you recharge it and like what kind of recharging you need. That's important. Side note, whenever I do a podcast or a talk, I can almost never go and do work afterwards. What I mean by that is because I'm a therapist. And so rest for me after I do something like this is not therapy. It's anything else mowing the lawn moving things around like that actually all charges my battery if i have to go make myself go to work after i do a talk in a school i did this once when i was first starting i did a talk in a school and then i saw clients for us today miserable no never again yeah okay so can i just like use myself as the guinea pig here so like you're telling me it's possible that i'm just going to list all the things that i've thought that i'm not supposed to like anymore um or that are weird that would recharge my battery i really love like cleaning and doing the dishes really oddly love doing the dishes i have oh like not trust me i don't always love doing the dishes but when i'm tired i really love to do the dishes so mm. or i love watching horrible preferably british or australian based reality television you know off of any number of streaming services um i love but i'll do it for like a long, like, I mean, when you say binging, like, again, it's like staying up later or it's like sleeping mm. in longer. Like it's, I will have the, you know, 10, ex like 10 extra donuts. I don't know, but I'll have, I'll have a mate. If I have access to good donuts, I'll have like six of the donuts. Like, so you're sort of saying, I mean, I don't mean to make it all about guilty pleasures because I feel like that's also a category for a lot of stereotypes around self-care is like, especially for women, side note. Mm. Also, I'm just going to point out, I think a lot of times self-care for men is like a hobby, you know, like go golf or go play video game, right? Not to say, I mean, of course, women do all these things as well. But I'm just naming that, like, if you look at advertisements even, right, for like, let's say Mother's Day versus Father's Day, which is so gender normative, blah, but you know what I'm saying. Um, like the advertisements or the gifts you see displayed in the stores are all like hobby based, you know. And then for women, again, wow, so much problems with that. Um, for Mother's Day, it's all like lotion, candle, <laughs> like mm -hmm. literally bathing yourself is advertised to mothers as how mm -hmm. you take care of yourself. I'm just going to mm -hmm. pause and say that again. 
bathing yourself. Yep. Basic and, hygiene and how, uh-huh. is the way you're going to feel. So, and I mean, as a, you know, but so I guess I'm just kind of ranting. I don't mean to rant, but I'm just trying to say that, like, there's a lot. It feels like here around the messages you get about what's supposed to be rest or the messages you get around what's supposed to be fun or what's supposed to, like, make you feel good or like you're taking care of yourself. And it could be the opposite. It could it could be the thing that, like, people are telling you, get off your phone. It could be the hours and hours you're scrolling on your phone, maybe. I don't know. Is that fair? I think I think what's hard is like the things that we like doing don't always recharge our batteries. And you're kind of nailing that. Like and my guilty pleasure just on that note is like, I'm sorry, world, but I TikTok. I don't make anything, but like I, I watch the living daylights on TikTok. And if I start, I'm done for like two or three hours. Like a long time. And I don't feel like I got a lot out of for that two or three hours. So I have to like. Oh, okay. So there's a second question actually Mm -hmm. that I, with my wonderful list, have brought up. It sounds like that was not recharging my batteries. Well, it might have. Like for other people, it might have. Like, and that's where I don't want to cast that judgment. For me, like I think I would have, it would have been better off for me to like listen to a podcast, talk to a friend, watch a show. All of that would have been better than TikTok. There, there's a concept that I'm stealing from Glennon Doyle has a podcast, and she says something about an easy button and a hard button, and that all mm-hmm. of us have a list of things that we go to that just help us easily like feel better in the moment. That, And a lot of it is like, we all know what it is. It's the easy button. It's like the quick way we're going to feel like we did something to take care of ourselves. Yeah, like and drugs. Then, yeah, or, or like... Maybe the the scrolling or the bad, not the same bad TV, but whatever, right? And then there's the hard button. And those are the things that actually bring you the battery refill. And that is something like calling the friend, being in nature, walking around and like exploring a new place. Um, I don't know. I'm giving random. No, you're totally on it. And I know we're winding down. You know. The thing, can I just like make one association about nature? And I know we got to end because it's like we're past every bedtime. The thing about nature that's so important, like people always talk about, you got to go in nature and calm down, right? Because ADHD people need to be in nature and like they'll show like a serene lake. And like the thing that we don't think about is when someone's walking in nature, their brain is processing millions of pieces of moving information. Yeah, like every little leaf in a tree and every sound of the birds and every like weird passerby car sound. Yeah, Right. And so when a person walks out into nature and they go, oh, I need this. It's not necessarily tranquility. And that's the part I want to make sure I connect for people with ADHD. Like, that's a lot that you're processing when you're looking at a fire dance. It's a lot that you're processing when you're looking at, like, trees moving in the wind. It's a lot that you're processing when you're watching grass blow. Your brain is doing a lot of work. It's that work that helps you feel a little bit more at rest, not the lack of stimulation. It's the overabundance of it. So maybe if we were to think of three questions, one is start to notice what behaviors you do that will show you that your batteries are low. Like, what's the stuff you do? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing when you re- actually realize you're tired? Whatever you were doing right before then is going to be your cue, potentially. Yep. So that's going to help with that. Then the second piece is the, is the, is it the easier hard button kind of? Like, is it like a quick fix or is it something that over time you've recognized like, whoa, like I feel, I actually do notice I, I'm, you know, enjoying life more because of, you know, whatever I did. And then three it sounds like maybe also to ask if you're understimulated or overstimulated. Like, because it sounds exactly like right. that's going to be one of the two things. Like, either you're yeah. going to have to, like, remove some stimulation. Like, mm-hmm. like, like be in that quiet room with the candle. <laughs> what? I don't mean to bash candles. I love a good candle. I or, like looking at fire. 
Yeah, I love right. And then and then or if you're understimulated, like you said, like don't think Nate, you know, going to nature, let's say, is just hitting one of those boxes, right? But like recognizing like you're gonna you're you're the way you feel tired might be because of two opposite extremes. Yes. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of, and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks.